Dubuque Rising with Alex Dixon, a surprising gem on the Mississippi. A new podcast series hosted by Alex Dixon, president and CEO of DRA and Q Casino. The podcast focuses on various Dubuque-related topics and provides an inside look at this unique community's future. Here's Alex Dixon. Alex Dixon here with Dubuque Rising. Here in studio, we've got Tut Fuller, chairman and CEO at Capra Bank. Tut, thank you so much for for coming in and joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, Glad we got this thing finally scheduled and got here. Oh, no, it's awesome. No, this is uh, no no good time um, or no bad time to have a great conversation. And so, um, no, I appreciate you coming in. But let's let's start out really with your your origin story, kind of where you're from, your background, where'd you go to school, whole deal. Yeah, so uh, origin story. So from Dubuque. Uh, and born and raised in Dubuque and, and came back, right. Uh, have a wife and three kids, uh, three young kids in Dubuque. And, um, really, I mean, I kind of did like the, you know, what would you count? It'd be like the uh, counterclockwise or clockwise tour of the Midwest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you went got, to undergrad. got your Benjamin button on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I did undergrad up in the twin cities, uh, did medical school at university of Michigan. Uh, my dad told me that physicians were terrible at business. So I needed to get my MBA. Uh, so I got my MBA and discovered, I just, just loved, uh, along with my MD and just loved business. Uh, went and worked at Bain, uh, for a couple of years, uh, and met my wife there and just loved, I mean, just, just loved business. Um, and my dad asked me if I would entertain coming back, uh, to Dubuque to work at Heartland financial, which is now HTLF. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, and it worked out, I think, yeah, I'm a fourth generation banker. Uh, my, my great grandfather was one of the ones that started, uh, Dubuque Bank and Trust, DBNT. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandfather ran it, uh, after World War II. My dad ran it uh, and grew it from about 70 million to about 20 billion. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and you know, like, uh, I went there about 10, worked there about 10 years, nine and a half years, uh, did a bunch of different stuff, was CEO of Dubuque Bank and Trust, uh, then ran and oversaw about half of Heartland's banks. Um, and and that's like a super great story, but it's totally divergent uh, yeah. from, from no, where, no, no. from where I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and I think what happened, you know, like what we saw is that the last couple of years, and it wasn't like an immediate thing, but over a couple of years, the bank we didn't feel was doing right by its employees, uh, other than like a couple executives uh, or its shareholders or its clients or its communities, and. Um, and my dad and I were both out in the same month when mm-hmm. he was chairman. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, the last couple of years have been interesting, but, you know, kind of thank God it it happened, right? Um, my dad and brother and a couple of the, or most of the largest shareholders started an activist group to try and get Heartland into better hands. Uh, I did not do that. I kind of tried to step aside and say, what the heck am I going to do when I grow up? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sold all my, all my shares at what I thought was too low of a price, 50 bucks. And thank God I did. Cause it's at like 30. <laughs> um, and said, Hey, like, what do I want to do? And did just some digging and just mm-hmm. started digging and figured out I love banking uh, and I love Dubuque. And if you love banking and you love Dubuque, you got to kind of start a bank. Uh, and so, uh, just started working backwards and saying, okay, I have a thesis of, of building a bank Mm -hmm. and can you really build a bank without compromise? Mm -hmm. Uh, can you build a bank that is there for its employees, there for its clients, there for its community, uh, 
provides the technology of a large bank, provides local decision making, uh, but isn't a huge bank. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really think it was possible, uh, partially because of like, I only worked at one bank before that yeah. and figured out it was possible. And then once we figured out it was possible, it was off to the races yeah. uh, and figured out you can't start a bank from scratch uh, because it takes a couple of years and I'm a little impatient. Uh, so, and also figured that if you have the right or want the right tech platform, you actually can't start from scratch either because it takes a couple of years to implement it. So you mm -hmm. got to buy a bank that, that has that tech platform. So searched, uh, used some of my Bain analytics uh, and started with about 900 banks, filtered it to about 20 that had the right balance sheet, right structure, uh, and had the right tech platform. And then I just started dialing for dollars, trying to convince somebody to sell me their bank. Yeah. And people ended up buying, buying a great fourth generation, also family bank in Montezuma, Iowa, small town, mm -hmm. a great little town right between Iowa City and Des Moines. Uh, and they said no three times and I convinced them to meet with me and, and we're here today. And the last year, actually we're coming up on, we're about a week away from the one year anniversary wow. of buying the bank. Wow. And life's been a blur. Wow. Well, first, congratulations. I mean, it's, uh, uh, that's an amazing story. You know, we talk about origin story and, and it's really indicative almost of the debut community of just, uh, the historic, um, family-owned and multi-generational businesses that are here. And I think um, you and and uh, so many others are really stepping up into leadership, really post-COVID, of uh, taking the realm, uh, excuse me, taking the helm of of so many, um, uh, so many of our great institutions. And so, uh, but look, that's a, that's a, a big deal to start, you know, to start a bank and to start uh, a bank, not only in this economy, uh, but uh, start regional banking with so many of the things and what we're going to talk about. But I think it's it's only fair for our listeners is is what's also, you know, so unique in Dubuque is, are just the the close relationship and interconnectedness. And so, um, you know, full disclosure, I serve on the board of Dubuque Bank and Trust, right? And yep. so when you were there, I was able to join and served on the community board and still do proudly. But what I think is unique about this community is that um, uh we we see each other in the grocery store. We see each other out in the community. Um, you know, I'm a client of DBNT, but I'm also now a client of Capra Bank. Um, uh, and so I think what's so unique is that we force ourselves in these kind of petri dishes of the Midwest of the, um, of uh, our country to figure out how do we get together, how do we get stuff done, how can we win, how can we grow the economy, and so so I want to start there of of kind of help me make sense. Let's talk at a at a macro level of of this economy, and then let's let's then we'll hone in on on Dubuque. And so, are we going to recession? Are we out of recession? Are we are we growing or contracting? What's 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 your uh, what's your perspective? Uh, so what I would say is like, I have no, no idea. Right. Um, you know, I think I've been thinking we were going to go into a recession for over a year, mm -hmm. which was part of the filter of the banks that I was looking to buy, mm -hmm. uh, was because I thought we were going into a recession. So yeah. I wanted to buy a bank that didn't have a lot of loans. Mm. Um, that hasn't happened. Uh, and what I will say also is interest rates have spiked obviously, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't see a lot of things slowing down. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, I think you see people coming back to work. Mm -hmm. uh, you see people kind of powering through and you see businesses still doing business. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, 
if if you own a business, you're not going to stop transacting or stop doing business just because interest rates got a little higher. Yeah, uh, you might sharpen your pencil on some things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I I don't know. I got a, I have a lot of faith in in the economy right now. I have a lot of faith in just kind of like the American way of doing things, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that is. And so you know, maybe if we did have a, a recession, it's something in commercial real estate, something around office space. You know, you could see that. That stuff just doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be long in office space. Part of the model of Capra Bank is to not be long in space. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, it. people are cranking. Yeah. Um, and and even if we had a recession, I don't know that it would stop people from, from cranking. Okay. Um, you know, locally, I would say, you know, if I'm paying attention to an, an economy, uh, I'm paying attention to local economy. Okay. Macroeconomic things I care about for interest rate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to manage your interest rate risk as a bank. But I don't pay much that much attention to anything national other than that. Yeah. Um, which dictates your bond rates and those sort of things. Yeah. What I care about is local. Okay. Uh, and banking is about as local if you do it right, I think is about as local as you can get. Okay. Um, and so one of the things you brought up, right. Is like in Dubuque, no one's anonymous. Yes. And what I like about that fact in places like Dubuque, places that people call home, p- places that people were, were born there and they move there places that people want to keep their family there and not be transient is there is this like automatic accountability built in. Mm. And what I want in community banking is a banker and bank leadership that has to actually be accountable to their neighbor because mm. they're going to see him in the grocery store. They're going to see him at church and they need to look him in the eye if they wrote off that customer. And I think what, what Capra is built on is enabling and pushing that local decision-making. Mm. Um, I think what, what happens far too often in a regional bank and a national bank, whatever it may be, is that that, that credit decision uh, on that loan is made by somebody in Chicago, Florida, Philadelphia, that doesn't even think like we have indoor plumbing in Dubuque, Iowa. <laughs> uh, and you know that's not a great place to put a client. It's mm-hmm. not a great place to put a, an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want that decision made, made locally. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean you just hand out easy credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means that there is that, like I said, that accountability. We're at this place, let's say within Dubuque, you know, I've now been here two years and look, our population has been, you know, fairly steady on the, on the uptick. I mean, we've, we've heard the stories, you know, so many times, but, but w- w- what, do you see or are kind of what do you believe or where do we need to be headed as a leader, um, you know, uh, into the future? Let's say five, 10 years here for for debut kind of what is uh, what is our trajectory? Are we growing at the rates of like a Des Moines or are we, um, you know, reverting to the mean of of, uh, of our neighbors in like a Clinton, would you say? And so wh- where where do you see our future? Yeah. So um, so what I would say is we have to grow and grow faster. Uh, a shrinking population, uh, a less than average uh, or less than mean uh, household income, Mm -hmm. those are not good statistics. And they're also really bad things for a bank. (laughs) Um, And so when I say banking's local, if a community isn't healthy and striving uh, to do better things and growing, uh, like I said, boosting pop, boosting uh, that 
mean household income, ba- the bank is going to struggle mm-hmm. uh, because the community is not healthy and struggling. So I, I you know, I think actually in terms of like a litmus test of how well a community is doing, you look at the banks. Wow. Um, and so I wouldn't, you know, my brother, or I wouldn't have invested all this money in a bank if we didn't believe in Dubuque. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, there is a strong belief in the potential of Dubuque, but I also think Dubuque as much as I've ever felt is at kind of a teetering point. Okay. Um, you know, part of the reason why we're doing this bank in Dubuque mm-hmm. is because Dubuque is now the only major metro in Iowa mm-hmm. where the largest market share banks aren't local. Hmm. And so we don't think that's a really good stat. Because hmm. in general, loans are the cheapest form of capital. Hmm. And if you have a ton of deposits, I mean, a bank makes money by bringing in people's money in deposits mm-hmm. and lending it out. Yep. And if they're taking Dubuque deposits and lending them out in... Minneapolis, Denver, Phoenix, mm-hmm. or whatever other place HTLF or Midwest One are bragging about their loan growth mm-hmm. uh, on their earnings calls. Yep. They're, they're not bragging about it in Dubuque. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a good thing because you're exporting our capital yeah. elsewhere. And we don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just think we can do it. There are some roadblocks we got to probably kick down. Yeah. Um, you got to get the capital cycle correct in these towns. You know, what's so amazing is um, um, you talk a lot about kind of recycling dollars. Um, and then if even if we think about, you know, just nationally, so Moody's and the downgrades of regional banks. And and so, you know, the counterbalance is, is to say, hey, look, uh, we're a free and fair society. Capital should flow um, where, the, you know, the alpha is. That's where we should get the return. Um, and so we can still be, you know, local. We can still, you know, make loans, you know, regardless of where we sit, where we are, the, the whole deal. So kind of help me, you know, make sense of, of this Moody's down grade what what is the perspective that they're taking on the like smaller regional banks versus the the big behemoths um and so we'd love your perspective on that yeah so so a couple things i you know ratings agencies are interesting mm-hmm. uh and hopefully this doesn't like come back to bite me someday but i mean i don't know if they're like ahead of the game mm-hmm. uh what I would say is right now, whether it's regional banking or not a regional banking, mm-hmm. banking's a tough business. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really interesting that I didn't even like consider in my math is that the same things that make being a current uh, bank executive, like other than your compensation, mm-hmm. uh, a miserable experience uh, and make a, it a miserable experience for most banks' profitability right now, make it a great thing to be a, a new bank. Mm. because when you buy a bank and we lucked out on timing, uh, right before the interest rate environment went up, we washed out all our bonds. And so the same problems that all the banks are having, we have like the inverse problem right Mm -hmm. now. Um, so I kind of got to pull myself away from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in general, banking is, or credit unioning or whatever you want to call it is really tough right now. And that's because of the interest rate environment. Mm -hmm. Um, so, with a Moody's downgrade, I guess what I would say more generally is in, in banks, you, let's say you have national banks, you have certain banks that are classified as too big to fail. Mm-hmm. They're going to do great because when people think there's stress in banking and they're worried about their money, they're going to put their money in the banks that the government has classified as largely like too, bag, too big to fail. Got it. So they get a bunch of deposits for free and deposits 
you know, that's your, that's your powder, that's your inventory and they can go out and buy bonds. They can go out and do loans and they're, they're doing great. Yeah. Um, and they'll be totally fine. I think as far as regional banks go, what I would say is like, there are great regional banks, Mm -hmm. um, that have powered through that just crank glacier frost plains capital. I mean, there are banks, regional banks that just crush it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that their margins aren't a little bit less, but they have a history of growth. Um, and they're, they're continuing to grow and be profitable. And you're seeing that in their stock prices as well, but you've also always seen it in their stock prices. Mm -hmm. I think you step back from like a small cohort and you start looking at balance sheets and you say, all right, that bank that was X is no longer X size because really they just balloon their balance sheet with brokered deposits and they bought a bunch of deposits off the market, not local market Mm -hmm. to keep their balance sheet what it was. Um, They've really shrunk. And, but they've done that to save whatever margin they can um, and and to save liquidity. And so I think you just see this general trend of does a, does a regional bank or, but it's not really a regional bank. Does any company that isn't like executing properly make sense? And I think regional banks in general are in a weird spot because they're not, you know, too big to fail. Mm -hmm. They in general have lackluster technology. Their returns are lackluster. Their efficiency is lackluster and, and they're not any safer. And so you kind of look at it and you say, oh, and there's no takeout premium because only a handful of banks can buy them right now because their bond portfolios are so underwater. So you start to look at it and you're like, well, it's not performing that well. Their client experience isn't that well. Their tech isn't that great. And no one can buy them. Yeah. What the heck is this? And why does it exist? I think if we zoom out a bit, you know, and um, I I love nerding out on banking. I mean, I started my career, you know, Goldman Sachs. And so um, just more just on investment banking rather than commercial. Um, But what what I having spent some time now here in rural America, this first time lived in a more rural community. My concern is that if we if we take a step back, capitalism broadly is um, um, really not set up well to help support rural communities, meaning, you know, the highway system ba- bypassed a number of our, our communities. Um, uh, if you think of just regional airlines, meaning, um, you know, we're fighting like the Dickens to be able to get uh, air traffic back here within Dubuque. Um, you, you marry that with, um, again, with this, not necessarily attack on regional banking, but smaller uh, community banks. And so um, is uh, is making it really tough. And so I, I think, you know, that's what's somewhat um, on one side of the, the pendulum. The other is, is you've got a manufacturing base, you've got clean air, you've got water, you've got great schools, you've got safe community, um, you know, great infrastructure. Um, and so there's there's a lot to be optimistic about, let's say, with here in, in Dubuque. And so w- where do you see those pockets of opportunities uh, on, the, on the flip side? Yeah, I mean, so, so the same things that that maybe like, quote unquote, capitalism, mm-hmm. uh, when you when I hear, it, you know, isn't kind to rural America, I think you got to divide Dubuque out of rural America in my, my mind. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying like we aren't agrarian in our county. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm saying if you go and you spend three months or four months in Montezuma, Iowa, 1400 people halfway between Des Moines and Iowa City, 
that's a lot different than Dubuque. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't know how to solve that. I don't know how to get Montezuma to go from 1400 to 3000. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot different than Dubuque. Uh, to me, when I look at Dubuque, I kind of flip the thing on its head uh, and say, all right, why aren't we growing at X, Y, Z rate in these different key metrics? Like I said, population, mean income, et cetera. And I, I'm not finding a lot of reasons we shouldn't grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you say broader capitalism, I think instantly like publicly traded companies. Yeah. Um, this may like totally shock you, but I don't have a lot of faith in publicly traded companies. Okay. And I don't know if they're the best thing in general or for Dubuque. Okay. So I'm okay without that. Uh, I would much rather have powerful, strong, locally owned businesses. And what I've seen in Dubuque is the next generation of these longtime private companies mm-hmm. is now running them. Okay. So I actually have a ton of, ton of hope for Dubuque. Uh, we have a great education system. We have all of the things that should make it a great place for someone to move and work. Um, now we got to back into how in the heck do we get the jobs at the median income level that people want to be here? Um, and, and so I, you know, of all the things that like capitalism doesn't work, I think capitalism really doesn't work in Montezuma, like this bigger, I mean, capitalism works in Montezuma, but this bigger like trend in rural America, I think it's really tough on super small mm-hmm. cities and it, and it's not, we got to do something to fix it, but I don't know how I would separate Dubuque from that. And cool. yeah, we lost air travel, um, which we got, we got to fix. We got the Avalo thing going, mm-hmm. which I think is, is excellent. Um, but man, I mean, from the natural beauty to the, the hardworking people, the people who love living here and coming back here, um, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought a bank and moved it here if I didn't think I'm yeah. not like blindly doing it. Yeah, um, yeah. so I actually believe that's in, great in us, but we do got to get some barriers out of the way. Well, a ray of sunshine here with Tut Fuller here in, uh, uh in Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, Tut, this has been a, a amazing opportunity to sit down. Um, clearly, um, some weighty and meaty topics. You know, and uh, I think what's uh, amazing is is in a community like ours, uh, a shareholder of Dubuque Bank and Trust, the you know the the entity that your family started, created, um, you know here um, can also root for um, the upstart because what's beautiful is that if you're successful, that means Dubuque is successful, and if we can rise all these tides, it's going to be great. But um, you know, I've got uh, nothing but faith in you, your family, and all the great things you all do within our community, and we're grateful. Um, and as a new resident, as a business owner, um, you know, with uh, uh, my roles within Greater Dubuque Development Corporation, um, I think a lot of the themes that you described um, are true, both on the, um, on the risks, uh, but the the ray of sunshine and the the opportunity and optimism that it takes to invest the millions that you and your family have done um, is not only commendable, but but we need you. So I uh, appreciate you. Well, I, I'm yeah, I, I appreciate the words. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I'd, I'd flip it on its head. Like there's no reason why not us. That's it. Let's and do it. yeah, we can do it. We just gotta, just gotta start with the goal and figure out how to get there, right? Yeah, no. Uh, 
Chairman and CEO, Tut Fuller of Capra Bank. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great, great. This is Dubuque Rising with Alex Dixon. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. And check us out next time. This has been Dubuque Rising with Alex Dixon, a surprising gem on the Mississippi. Season one, which features four separate episodes, is currently available for download for free. Visit DRADubuque.com for more information 